Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Amazing job. We love and appreciate them. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. and You guys can turn the house lights up if you would for just a moment. I, I want to continue our series, Bless Just just as your soul prosper. And I want to continue talking tonight and uh, talking a little about, about living in the fullness of the blessing. Continue to live in the fullness of the blessing. But tonight I'm going to take a little bit of a different route. I want to, I want to if I had to title the message tonight, I'd title it Attacking Your Lack. Attacking Our Lack. And so I'm going to teach tonight. And um, um, it's, it's interesting because um, one of the things that I've been struggling with as I have prayed and studied is that, um, you know, the enemy comes to you and said, well, how can you preach something that you are not fully walking in yourself? And, uh, and I, I have to admit there are areas or principles of, of walking in the blessing of God that I have not obtained yet, but I'm going to get there. And so I'm not just teaching and preaching to you tonight. I'm talking to myself. And some of these things that I'm sharing tonight as things that I have experienced. And, um, you know, I spent some time on the phone this week. You know, sometimes when you don't have an understanding of things, sometimes you call people that do. And you, you pick their brain and you ask them. And, and so um, this week I did two things. I, I, called a, I talked to a psychologist this week, a, um, a psychologist, and talked to them about uh, mental health and talked to them about mindsets and, uh, and picked their brain, and they, they shared some things with me that I thought was very powerful. And then I talked to a, uh, uh, a businessman this week, a man that had been in business for many years, that um, from 1980 uh, until 2007, he built homes. He was a home builder, a businessman, and, um, and he, had, he was to the place where he was building 80 to 100 homes a year, uh, not just any homes, but you know, seven hundred thousand to a million and a half dollar homes, and uh, he got in business. And uh, he told me that uh, right before um, he lost everything in two thousand seven, and the housing market collapsed. He said he was involved in five different projects, and he lost over twenty million dollars. Now, um, you know, Pastor Adam, this week we were praying for him because he had taken $100 and had lost $100, and we were praying that $100 back into his life. It's one thing to lose $100, but when you lose $20 million, how many know that's a little bit of money? And, uh, and the housing collapse took most of his wealth, and he almost, he almost uh, fell into you know, a place of just despair. But he said, what helped me was is that I had learned the principles of the Word of God and it got me through, and it helped him recover. It helped him, it helped him and return back, and God now has, has restored back his business since and um, has blessed him, and uh, he ministers now. He's no longer a home builder, but he's a preacher, and uh, God has blessed him, but he still does business on the side, and God has blessed him, and so it's been a, a just incredible to talk to him. He said, he said in 2005, he said, Shane, I could have retired for 50 men could have retired for what the Lord had blessed me with. He said, but when I wasn't living for God is when I made all that money. 
And he said, when I wasn't living for God, I made all that money. And here, now I'm living for God. I'd lost all of it. But he said this. This is what he said. He said, I am more prosperous now in my life than I was even when I had all that money. He said, I'm more prosperous today than I ever was. And he said this. He said, prosperity is not all about how much money you have. It's about the wholeness of life. And it just stirred me, and I just was encouraged by that testimony and a great businessman. And so, you know, God is faithful, amen? If we turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, and, and uh, many of you are familiar with this story, and I'm, I'm going to take a few things out of it tonight, but I'm going to talk about a couple things too and uh, share with you a couple things, and hopefully, hopefully uh, you'll grab onto something. And, uh, and as, as I have grabbed onto something this, in this past this past week. Beginning in verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 4, a certain woman um, of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be, sl- to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then, then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, she said to her sons, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. In verse 7, She came and told the man of God, and he said to her, Go sell the oil, pay your debt, And you and your sons live on the rest. You and your sons live on the rest. You know, when the blessing of God is on your life, um, we are not just limited to the natural. How many believe that tonight? The blessing of God is on your life. You're not just limited to the natural. We have access to the things of God. And, um, And so my economics is about the change because I'm ready tonight to attack my lack, to attack lack in my life, and, and have a desire to live in the fullness of the blessing of God. Now, by reading the story, we realize that fearing God by itself doesn't guarantee the creditors are not going to come, right? It said he feared God. And yet the creditors were still coming to his house to take away his sons. And just being a Christian doesn't guarantee your your economics and finances are just going to straighten themselves out. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that your finances is just all of a sudden going to fall in order. Right? How many know that doesn't just happen? And, um, And just because you fear God doesn't mean... It's not going to stop the creditors from knocking on your door. If you stop paying your car payment, and there's going to be somebody show up at your house. 
Are you going to be able to go outside and say, now wait a minute, I fear God, and I'm a Christian. Do you think they're going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot about that. You can keep your car. <laughs> no, that's not how the creditors look at it. But as we begin, I want to make a, just a couple of statements. Number one is that, is that um, when we deal with things, when you preach and teach and deal with things that are close to home in people's lives, when you deal with things like money and finance and relationships, and you teach on these things in church, sometimes um, uh, there are circumstantial, uh, situational, and, and there are um, decisions that originated um, in people's lives that bring people into trouble. In other words, I've had people where you get t- talking about relationships or family and you talk about divorce and you would have divorced people get offended at you because you're up here preaching about how to restore your marriage or whatever, but theirs wasn't restored. So they're sore at you. Um, or when you talk about money, there's people that have had to walk through difficult times in money or bankruptcies or whatever. They've, they've, they've fallen into a ditch like I have financially at times. And, uh, and so when you talk about it, sometimes people get, get a little t- easy, uneasy about it. But how many know that, that you still have to preach truth and teach truth so that they don't fall into a ditch on top of us? And so sometimes you just got to preach on the ditch. And so we have to be cool because it's important um, that a teaching on a subject like this, a blessing and finances, can be, can be testy at times and it can, be, it can be interesting at times. So number one, we have to understand that there are many of us here that have, uh, at times we have made mistakes in these areas. But how many know just as God has pulled us out, God will pull you out? Because he's a faithful God and he can do that. The, the second statement is, is I want us to understand that when you're dealing with lack and, and people's life, uh, the playing field is not always the same level in life. And so people are in certain situations in their life that all of us don't always come from the same playing field when it comes to finances in our life. When you start teaching blessing and uh, the blessing of God and finances and, and giving. Not everybody starts at the same place, just like in this story. Or maybe, maybe you grew up in a house where somebody left you facing great creditors and great debt. Maybe somebody walked out on you or walked out on your family or walked out on you and left you with great debt. Or maybe, you know, maybe a man's left you or a wife's left you and left you with great debt. But and then there are those who say, well, I can't be blessed because, because I've been divorced. Or I can't be blessed because my parents never taught me how to manage money or how to, to live in blessing. Or I can't be blessed because I'm a woman. Or I can't be blessed because of where I come from or my ethnicity. Uh, we, we can sometimes say those things. But let me just tell you this. Faith changes where I'm going. Faith can change where you're going. Faith will take you up out of what you think is a limitation. Faith can pull you out of that mindset. And so we have to understand the power of mindsets. When we talk about the blessing of God and we talk about lack in people's lives, sometimes impoverished 
And poverty mentality is a mindset that's in people's lives. And so with mindsets, there are mindsets that rule and govern poverty, impoverished people, impoverished thinking, limitation thinking, and lack. Many of that comes from mindset, the way people think. Just like there's mindsets that govern those who prosper and those who are wealthy. That these are mindsets. These These can be mindsets that people lock themselves in that create around them uh, a poverty mentality or a prosperous mentality. And so sometimes you have to attack, the way you attack your lack is you got to attack those mindsets so that if God can change that mindset, God will change your life. And so I just want to share a couple of things with you tonight and um, a couple interesting things. Uh, in talking to a psychologist this week, I said... Um, What's the difference in the mindsets of people who carry a poverty mentality and those who carry a prosperous mentality? And they began to tell me, they said, well, there's several things. He said, "Um, you know, this might be a little touchy. And if you talk about them, they might be a little touchy to your congregation. But that's all right. We're going to be a little touchy tonight. And uh, but she said there were several things that are different and people who have a poverty mindset, and those who walk in a prosperous mindset. She said, um, they said to me, they said, people who carry a poverty mindset um, and a prosperous mindset, the first thing that's different is that their language is different. The way they, their confessions are different. The way they talk is different. Their language is different. The mindset of the poverty or lack, those who live in lack, um, those ha- and from those who have a, pov- a prosperous mindset, is that they talk different. Their language is different. Their language is, 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 is uh, their confessions about their life, their confessions about God, those things are different. And uh, I'm reminded of a scripture that says, uh, what, has, uh, what God has given, what God has given me, the tongue of the learned. The word learned there means God has given me the tongue of the learned or the understanding. God has taught me. I have understanding from God that I may speak a word in season to him that is weary. In other words, um, he said that the, the mindset of those who are in poverty, they just speak different. Their understanding is different. They, they, they have the, those who are prosperous have the tongue of the learned. They have understanding of principles and God's word, and they act on them and they lived on them. It said the language is different between those who live in, who have a poverty mindset and those who have a prosperous mindset. Number two, uh, they said that the second thing is, is that people who are prosperous listen different than people who walk in a poverty mindset. They listen different. The difference is... um, People who have a poverty mindset listen with their feelings. And that's what holds them in, into something. In other words, when, when there's someone that has to address something with them, a need, something they need to hear, they discount what they're hearing. They discount it because of how they feel. And so their feeling is above how they feel about something, um, affects the way they hear something. 
So to be taught something or to be addressed with something in their life, uh, they, they, they discount it, what's being said to them or what's being taught to them because of how they feel. Well, the truth is how you feel doesn't change how it is. Is that right? I mean, how we feel doesn't change how it is. And sometimes uh, they say that those that are prosperous are able to listen. They listen differently. They receive teaching. They receive uh, correction. They receive. And so they don't lead with their feelings and that they hear things that are different. And then they said this. I thought this was interesting. Number three, they say the difference between a poverty mentality and a prosperous mentality is that people uh, who are, have a poverty mentality, um, both of them, their body value is different. I said, what do you mean their body value is different? They said how they use their body, how they use uh, their body. Their body, um, people who have a poverty mindset will use their body to attract a mate or to get attention or to play sports. You know, um, um, you know, I only, you know, they use their body they, 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 they play sports because that's how they get attention or how they get, or they use their body to bring attraction. And, and it's, and it's how, how, they, how they perceive themselves. And so they will use uh, their body value instead of looking at their body and say, my body carries the spirit of God and that I carry the spirit of God and it's the vehicle of my mind and using it and seeing it as, as something that God has put destiny in and value in instead of, uh, of you know, uh, seeing it as what only matters is your biceps and your hips. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, people, I mean, when you think about it, though, you know, people, you know, I, I grew up, my mother, my mother was a beautiful woman. And I've told you my story. She was a beautiful woman. But, you know, she used her body as a means of trying to attract and trying to gain things when she didn't understand that the value of who she was was not in her body. The value of who, who she was was what God wanted to put in her, the destiny that he had for her, that her body was a vehicle of her mind and that God could use your body to do great things and express giftings that God has given you. Now, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but, I mean, there is a difference in that. Um, is, number four, that people value how people dress, the value of how people dress. People, Some people that have a poverty mindset have never taught the value of appearance and never taught the value of, of the importance of dress. Nobody had taught them. Then they said that number five, the difference was family structure. You know, um, you know, family structures are different. People who have a poverty mindset, their family structures are different. They tend to have kids uh, earlier. They tend to have kids out of wedlock. They go into debt quicker. And, and, and so family structures are different between the poverty and the prosperous mindset. And then finally, they told me that the last thing is mentality. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is, is mentality. The difference, the mentality between that which is 
those who walk in prosperity and those who walk in a poverty mindset. A lot has to do with mentality and how they view certain things. So I want to start by this tonight. Listen, if, if someone's mindset is not right, then money doesn't fix your problem. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If you have lack um, and have a poverty mindset, if your mind has been trained that way uh, to hold you there in that poverty mindset, no matter how much money you have or how, how much money somebody gives you, you'll bring your life back in to that continual state. That you'll bring your life back into that state. You're, you're in... Um, you're in that poverty mindset because of your mentality. So, you know, somebody, for instance, um, let's look at like entertainers and athletes, those who hit the jackpot quickly or win the lotto, right? If you don't know how to handle $20, you're not going to know how to handle $20 million. Does that make sense? I mean, how many people, how many athletes and entertainers have we seen make millions of dollars but go broke just like that? It's because of a mentality. I, I had read, read years ago, I don't know if you all are familiar, and I hate to just throw names out there and somebody under the bus, but if you know Allen Iverson, how many know, ever heard of I, I, Allen Iverson? He's a great basketball player. They said he made over $200 million in his athletic uh, years that he played, and maybe even more money, but 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 he became broke. I mean, he just. I mean, how do you lose two hundred million dollars? But if you have a mindset that's a poverty mindset, you know, we look at uh, men like Mike Tyson and these guys that had made millions of dollars, but they got entourages and they throwing money here and throwing money there. Uh, they had nobody that really taught them how to manage it. And if they couldn't handle $100, they're not going to be able to handle $100 million. And so we have to understand that mentality is an important part of how we uh, look at prosperity in our life. People are just not prepared to handle prosperity. And maybe, maybe God sometimes holds things doesn't allow certain things to come into our life because God knows that if we ever got a hold of it, <laughs> we'd lose it. I know there were times in my life, if I ever got a hold of a lot of money, it wouldn't have done me no good. I would have wasted it and I would have blown through it. Uh, there are times I've blown through money in my younger days, just blowing through it just because I had it. And so there, there's, a, there's a mentality that's there. And so, for example... A mature mindset or prosperous mindset understands the difference between risk and reward. Risk versus reward. In other words, um, um, with reward, there comes risk. So for instance, the Bible tells us God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isn't that what it says? But it also says in the same context of that scripture, it says without faith... It is impossible to please God. And so when we operate in faith, when you step out in faith, anytime you step out in faith, there's a risk there. Because faith will, will, will allow you to walk, walk. There's a risk. 
So when you step out in faith and say, I'm believing God to do something, there is a, res- a risk there that is a part of the reward. And so, you know, the difference in a prosperous mindset has, understands that with risk, there comes reward. When we risk, when we use our faith to risk, that there is a reward that comes, that you can't have a reward without faith and without the risk. And so, but an impoverished mindset sees risk as loss. They don't see it as, as the prosperous looks at, or the abundant life or the blessed life looks at risk as an opportunity for an abundant return. It's a risk to invest in children's lives or into teenagers' lives. It's a risk to do that. But if you do it by faith, we know that God will bring a return because we're doing it by faith, but it's a risk. And so I, as a pastor over the years, uh, the one thing that um, I've learned is that generosity and people who are stingy uh, are, is, a, is a mentality. I mean, generosity is a mentality and, 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 and stinginess is a mentality. In other words, I've seen people get saved and born again. And once they got saved and born again, they, they want to know how they can give. They want to know how they can tie. They want to know all the principles about giving. And, 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 and you see how that mentality uh, changes their lives. They want to they uh, know, learn about sowing and giving and investing. And I've seen people who've been saved 10 years and they don't give anything. They don't give, they don't, they don't give nothing. It's not a result of just being saved. That mentality just doesn't change just because you're saved. Because generosity is based on faith and optimism and believing that giving it, it's coming back. That when we give it, it comes back. God rewards it back to our life. And so, and so there is the, and I told you about my stepdad on Sunday. You know, there are sinners that believe that, that believe when you give or you're generous that it comes back to you. How many, how many I mean, I, I've got people in my family say, well, I, I'm going to give to that. I give to that because I know it's good karma. You ever hear people say that? Well, it's good karma. Christians, we do it by faith. It's not good karma. It's not karma. It's faith. We do it by faith. We give by faith. And when we give by faith and we learn to let God teach us how to be generous, then what we're doing is we're learning how to have a mentality of of a prosperous mindset and to live in prosperity. But Christians who are stingy usually live in fear of poverty. They have the fear, I'm never going to have enough. I'm never going to have enough in my life. I'm never going, there's never going to be enough. I'm never going to have enough. And so there's a couple things tonight. Poverty and lack is based on three things. And I'm going to give those to you real quick because there is a, a place I want to get tonight. There are, poverty and lack is based on three things. I'm going to give you all three of them real quick and then I'm going to make a short comment on each one. Number one, uh, poverty and lack is based upon mismanagement. Poverty and lack is based on, second thing is entitlement. Thirdly is victimization. These three things 
are the basis, three things that are the basis of a poverty mindset are poverty in people's lives. So first of all, it'll bring you into a place that holds you in lack. In other words, these mindsets will hold you in lack. Um, Number one, mismanagement. You know, Jesus taught the parables about the kingdom in Scripture. And they had to do the parables that Jesus talked about. Matthew 13, Jesus talking about the parables. And in talking about them, what was Jesus dealing with? Jesus uh, had to do with people's mismanaging what he gave them. He gave some talents and some people mismanaged those talents. And what we learn from Scripture, when Jesus gives you something and you mismanagement, you don't have the right to ask for more. <laughs> and so they, there was this mismanagement. And so mismanaged what God had given them. And so I just want to tell you, it ain't the devil that mismanages what God gives you. Some people don't like this concept because when you say, you know, it's easy to blame the devil for our lack in life. How many know it's easy to do that? It's just the devil that took it from me. But we never think of it as mismanaging what God gives us. And so, you know, it's not always the devil. Um, Sometimes it's put back on us and it's put back on you and me. And um, because if we blame the devil, then we got to beat the devil down to get our stuff back, right? But if it's on us, if we take responsibility for it, then the good news is, is that um, if you had mismanaged it, the good news is that if you change the way you manage, then you can come out of whatever it is that you're in. And it's on us. It's not on the devil. It's not on, it's on us. When we say, if I mismanaged it, then if I turn to God's principles and begin to manage it right, God will pull me up out of whatever I got myself into. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I understand the enemy attacks. I understand the enemy comes after us. But sometimes it's us that needs to change. The way we manage things, the way that we handle these areas of our life. And if we can change, God can reach down and do his part and miraculously pull us out of holes that we have dug ourselves into. And so mismanagement, entitlement. Sometimes we walk through life. Have you ever met people who walk through life who says the world owes me something? The world owes me. The world owes me. (laughs) You know, you don't know what I've been through. The world owes me just because you've been through. I got news through you. Everybody's been through something, right? Everybody's had hard times. Everybody's walked through something. And sometimes the spirit of entitlement comes at times when we we feel like, you know, um, we waiting on somebody that owes us something. The world owes us something. So I'm just going to wait here until the world gives me what I owe. How many know you'll be waiting a long time? You'll be waiting a long, long time. But here's the thing. Stop waiting on someone else when God can empower you to do it yourself. You don't have to wait on anybody. God will empower you to get up and do it yourself. And then three, victimization. I mean, this is huge. 
You know, when I was praying about this, I thought, Lord, what are the three things that are holding people in lack? And sometimes people will use victimization as a, as a, as a, a tool to justify their inability to be faithful to God's word. And so circumstances we find ourselves in, in victimization, in this way, in other words, you know, I married that crazy man and he left me with all these kids, you know? Um, you know, it's like uh, I can't do nothing, you know, because so-and-so did this to me or did that to me or put me in this predicament, my, my, my circumstances. I, you know, I didn't grow up in the right house and and, you know, my parents never taught me how to do this. And, and you know, I, I've got this and I got that. I'm a, I'm a single mom. I'm a, you know, I'm a single dad. I'm a, a you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a skill. And I, you know, nobody ever gave me a chance. Well, that may be the case. But the truth is, and I can't do anything about that. But I can tell you this. I can tell you that, that you don't have to remain in that place. You don't have to remain a victim. You can be a victor. And though nobody taught you, God can open doors for you that you may learn and, and, and be able to pull up out of that victimization. And you don't have to hold yourself in that place of lack and poverty thinking. That you don't have to be a victim. Because remember what the word blessing means. It means empower to prosper. I want to tell you, if you... If you are in lack, the very first thing you need to start doing is understanding that tithing is a foundation for abundance in our life. Tithing makes you get in control of your money. Tithing helps you get in control of your money because you can't have abundance if you can't control 10% of what you have. How can God bless the other 90%? of what we have. Is that not true? And so, you know what I thought was interesting? This is interesting, Rick. You'll like this. Do you know there were more millionaires made in America during the Depression than there has been in any any other time of of our American history? Have you ever read that? Did you ever know that? I I read that this week, and I thought, that's crazy. Why? Because money, money does disappear, Right? It's, it's a mindset. It's a mentality. And, and I'm here to tell you that if, if you're at lack, you know, if you'll learn to give to God, God will bless you. Now back to our story in 2 Kings chapter 4. This man died and left a debt behind. He died and left a debt behind to his family. Now, we know, we know this. Number one, there's situational lack in people's life. Situational lack is when lack comes because of a circumstance, something that happens that's beyond somebody's control, something they didn't foresee, and that it's brought a situational lack in their life. That's what this is. This man died, and he left debt to his family, and this is a situational lack. Now this mother has to come up with this debt, or she's going to lose her two children. But there's also generational lack. Or generational lack. And so situational lack can become generational if it's not dealt with. And so the creditors were coming 
to take the next generation or the children to hold the next generation in poverty or in lack. And so, um, and so what happens is, is that when, when situational lack prolongs and is not dealt with, then it becomes generational lack, which, is, which causes people to accept certain mentalities uh, as normal in their life. They accept the value system around it, and it holds them in that place of poverty or lack in their life. But the good news is, only, only when the mind is open to a new information can it be changed. So when we open ourselves up to new information, what did the prophet say? He said, go borrow. Now, to tell someone who's in debt, um, who's in debt and has to pay bills to go borrow, how many know that that's, that's may not be good advice? But we know the concept is this. How many know there's good debt and bad debt? In our, you know, borrowing, borrowing is not evil or bad if you are borrowing to make money. You know, if, if you're borrowing for depreciables, in other words, if you're borrowing to buy something that when you get it home, it's worth less than what you bought it for, how many know that's not a good idea? But if you're borrowing to make money, so if you could buy a $100,000 house tonight that's worth $100,000, if you could buy that house for $30,000, would, would that be good to borrow on? Why? Because you just made $70,000. You just made money. And so, but here's the thing. But if you can't, af- you know, if you can't afford the couch you want, you don't want to go borrow money just to sit on the couch, right? Because when you get it home, it's worth less than what you paid for it, right? And so, and you know, I mean, I look at it like this. I mean, if, if, you, if there's a couch you want, you can't afford it. Instead of going and go borrowing money for it, I'd just get some crates and get you some wooden boards, throw some blow a blanket over it, throw some pillows on it, and just sit on it until you can afford to get the one that you want, right? Until you can save the money because, you know, the truth is the interest that you pay on borrowing that would cost you more than if you just bought it outright, right? And save money. You know, people buy, you know, make payments on a big screen and a couch that they pay three times more for than if they would have bought it outright. You know, have have y'all ever hear, have y'all ever seen those? I've recently seen these ads on TV. Um, It says, come and get today. And your payments will start next year. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, do you think people do that because, because, because they have a good heart? You think they're just saying, well, there's a bunch of people out there that don't have big screen TVs and couches, and we want to make sure to help them get big screen. No, they say, by today, you don't have to pay till next year. My goodness. You know, you know, they're not doing that because they just want to see and help you get further along. They're not trying to help you. There's something in it for them. 
They will charge more for interest for you than what you could ever imagine. But in verse 3, he said, go get vessels, not just a few, and pour into it. And take what you have and pour into it. And go sell it, pay your debt, and live on the rest. Sometimes you just got to use what you have. And just use what you have. She took what was a situational lack and she stopped it from being a generational lack by listening to the Word of God. You know, if we'll listen to the Word of God, God will help us pull out of debt and pull out of poverty mindset in our lives if we'll just obey and do what the Word of God instructs us to do and tells us what to do. Some of us have grown up in generational lack and and I'm determined, I was determined to break that in my life. I mean, I grew up in a generational lack. My parents both had a poverty mindset. My dad worked for the same company for 37 years. He, uh, he worked for a company called CTL Aerospace. And uh, he, he designed and built molds that were for the nose cones of jet airplanes for GE. He worked there for 37 years. But he had such a poverty mindset that he never really had anything. He had a house and he had a car, but he never saved for the future. He never invested in anything that had, had a lot of value. He, he wasted his money on, on, on a lot of areas. And, you know, I was proud of my dad in the job that he did. He was self-taught. I mean, he knew as much as many of the engineers that worked there. And uh, he was celebrated that way. But he made a lot of money, but he, he never had anything to show for it. He had a poverty mindset. Of course, he didn't live for God, and that was, a, that was another situation in itself. And, so, and then there are others who are in situational lack, trying to move, uh, trying to keep it from becoming uh, another generation that's coming into poverty. And, uh, and so we have to make sure that we come out of these mindsets in our life so that the next generation, so that our children don't live in a poverty mindset. I've, I've tried to be cautious in my life when my children start talking that way, you know, to correct that and say, no, you're blessed. You can be blessed. You don't have, you don't have to live under that mentality. God doesn't want you to live under that mentality. And so I want to take the next few minutes as we close tonight. I want, I want to give you a couple of things. I want to talk about the characteristics of a lack mentality. Here are some characteristics of a lack mentality. Just bear with me tonight. And uh, uh, just talking to a few people this week, I asked them that qu this question. What do you think are the characteristics of someone who walks around with a lack mentality or poverty mentality? What are their characteristics? And so I'm going to give you a couple of them tonight. Number one, a material universe versus a quantum universe. You say, now what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? Um, in other words, a poverty mentality thinks, says like this. This is how they think. If I can't wear it, eat it, sleep with it, drive it, it's not important. <laughs> That's what a poverty mentality with. In other words, it's a material world. They live in a material world. I think there was a hit song that was out like that. Didn't Madonna sing, we're living in a material world, and I am a material girl, right? Y'all didn't know I knew that song, did you? 
<laughs> First concert, well, I'm not even going to go there. Anyway, <laughs> but here, here's the thing. Living in the material world, a poverty mindset lives only in the material world. It doesn't place value um, on, on that which is intrinsic or quantum. In other words, for instance, let me give you what I mean by intrinsic and quantum. Um, information. They don't value information. They don't value time. They don't value relationship. They don't value influences. In other words, everything's material. If it's not material, then it's not valuable to them. The things that are intrinsic and that can be intrinsically important in our life. Information can be important if you're in your life if you're willing to listen and to search out information. Time is important. How many know your time is important? I mean, our time is important, right? How many of you spent time wasting time doing something? I mean, I, I've seen people who, who have a poverty mindset. They spend more time trying to correct some of their messes than if they'd just done the right thing in the beginning, they would have saved a whole bunch of time. <laughs> Y'all with me? Poverty mindset don't value relationships, and they don't see the value of influence in a life. In other words, they only see a world that's based on material things. Therefore, it's not, it's not odd to spend... Listen, now, this gets a little touchy, so I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I'm talking about a, a, a poverty mindset, okay? I'm not talking about someone who has the means to do these things that have you know, positioned themselves right to do these things. But I'm not digging anything. I'm just telling you that this is what I've seen. I mean, I've seen this played out. In other words, therefore, it's not odd to see somebody who, who has a $150 pair of tennis shoes, but they're unwilling to spend $30 on a book that would help change their life. Y'all hear what I'm saying? In other words... In other words, they don't see the value in the information, but they see the value in the tennis shoes. And, it, and they can't change their thinking just because you, you can't touch it. It doesn't mean it's not worth more than the, those things which you can touch. In other words, a poverty mindset says, if I can't touch it, then it doesn't have the value than other things if I can't touch it. And so there's the material universe in the quantum. Number two, the now versus later mentality. The now versus later mentality. That holds people in poverty. The inability to delay gratification. Right? In other words, or to sow and plant into your future. They don't look to the future. Everything is now. In other words, let me tell you, the greatest debt comes by having to have it now. Having to have something now can create and put us in great debt. You can't, in other words, I mean, I've been like this where you can't leave your money alone long enough to get anywhere that you're trying to get to because you see something that you got to have it Right now. Y'all hearing me? Impoverished thinking settles for, less, for lesser things that they can obtain now than for greater things if you just wait. 
Does that make sense? Some people who've got to have it now, they will settle for lesser things than if they would just wait, God would bring them and let them uh, and, and discipline themselves that the greater things would come if they would just let wait to save up. You know, you know, it, it's like instead of saving up and getting the car that you want, you know, when I was growing up, everything was about the rims that you had and the stereo you had in your car, right? I mean, I, I had friends that would save up to put stereo and rims on a car that was worth less than those, that stereo and rims. <laughs> they would want a sports car. They would want a, you know, they had a dream car that they wanted. And if they would save and wait and work toward it, they could get the car that they wanted. But they had to have something now. So they went out and bought a stereo and some rims and put it on that old broke down car. <laughs> I don't know if you had friends like that. I, I had friends like that. <laughs> you know, now versus later. You know, um, this businessman I talked to this week, he said, this is interesting. He said, you know, poor people cash their checks. Prosperous people deposit their checks. <laughs> you, ever, you, know, you know, you ever see, you know, you hear people say, well, I got to go cash my check. I got to get my check cashed. And, and there's a mentality because everything that is in their check is already spent. They're not depositing it. You know, they got to they gotta cash it. Now, he said something to me, and I thought it was interesting. He said, do you ever see, he said, you never see those corner check cashing places in nice neighborhoods. In wealthy neighborhoods, you never see a check cashing place. <laughs> right? Have y'all ever seen a real, a nice, real, have you ever seen in the middle of a real wealthy, nice neighborhood, a check cashing place? Because wealthy people don't go, and do check cashing. And, and listen, it's always next, it's always right next, there's a big sign, check cashing, right? And there's always, it's always right next to what? A liquor store. <laughs> the check cashing place, and then there's the liquor store. And the same cat owns them both, probably. <laughs> is that not the truth? <laughs> probably owns both of them. And then next to that is a rent center. <laughs> So you got your check cashing place, you got your you got your liquor store, and you got your rent a center, and uh, right next door to all of it. And so, <laughs> here's the interesting thing: I tell you something I did this week, y'all. I wanted to know, I had to know, so I called a check cashing place and asked them what their rates were. They get fifteen percent of your check. You lose that if you go to a check cashing place and you cash your check. They get 15% right off the top. And you can borrow against your check. Did you know that? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, you know, I don't know if you knew that or not. You could borrow against your check. And then you got to pay another 15% on top of what you borrowed against your check. How many know that's highway robbery? God says, give me 10% and you'll be blessed. How many know there's the deal? <laughs> I mean, we're wasting, you know, we go wasting all of our money cashing our check and, and giving 15% to cash our check and then borrowing against our check and paying back another 15%. All you have to do is tithe. There's a passage of Scripture that says the oppressor 
of the poor is his poverty. That's a powerful scripture. The oppressor of the poor is, is, his, is his poverty. That's his poverty. For instance, think about this for a moment. I mean, the poverty mind, the poor, the poor, they say the poor will spend spends more money for food. You know why? Because they run down to the corner grocery store and they buy their food at twice the price that they would at a big, big store. So they'll pay $4 for a package of hot dogs when you can get them at Walmart for 99 cents. Right? That's the oppression of the poor. The oppression of the poor is his poverty. Poor people bounce more checks and they're charged more fees. <laughs> I don't know. I've bounced the check before. Has anybody bounced the check before? Not on purpose. But if you bounce the check, you know what they charge? I don't know what they charge now, but I remember when I bounced the check, they charged me $37. You know, that's a, if you bounce three or four checks, that's a lot of money. But they say poor people bounce more checks than anybody. And if, they, and if, if they're bouncing checks, can you imagine what they have to pay back? The oppressor of the poor is his poverty. They say that the poor pays more for heat and air conditioning in a household because most of the houses that poor people rent are less insulated. <laughs> and so they pay more for heat and cooling. The oppression of the poor is their poverty. And so it's interesting. Now, you know, sometimes, you know, we can help that. If you, if, uh, you don't like your heat bill, but you leave the front door open and the windows open, and you got a huge heat bill, how I many know oh, that's not the devil trying to steal your money? You just need to shut the front door and shut the windows, and your heat bill will come down. I've, 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 rolled up, I've rolled up on houses. I'm telling you, I've rolled up as a pastor. I've rolled up on houses. It'd be in the middle of winter, and the front door would be open, and there'd be no screen or no window in the screen door. It'd be totally hollow at the top and the bottom, and the door wide open. And you go and you knock on the metal part of that door, and somebody would come, and they yell through the house, whoever you're trying to see. But it'd be the middle of winter and 40 degrees outside, and they got the front door open. <laughs> Okay, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not picking. I'm just telling you that the oppression, of the, the oppression of the poor is this poverty. 15% off the top. <laughs> I mean, that blows my mind. You know, if, 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 you know, if, if we, we need to come to a place where we say, hey, I'm not going to allow the poverty mentality to roll in my life or be a part of my life. No more. You need to find somebody that you could sit down with and help get your stuff together. Help get your finances in order. I mean, we have plenty of people in this church that can help some of you get through and set your finances up right. We got plenty of people that are sitting here that could help you, that would be willing to sit down. You know, there's nothing wrong with not knowing, but... There's something wrong with staying not knowing. There's nothing wrong with not knowing something. You know, <laughs> it, it's funny because I, I, I was thinking about, about times in my life when I have experienced lack and 
some of the areas that I got in trouble financially. Here's where I would get in trouble. I'd get in trouble because I would be intimidated. So I'd roll up on a, I'd roll up on a, uh, on a workout place or a, a gym and want to join that gym. And so I go in and you sit down. I don't know if you've ever been to any of the bigger gyms that have salespeople. I mean, they're like, they're worse than car salesmen. Come on in here. We'll set you up on a nice gym payment. And they sit down and they'd be like, and we'll put this interest here and that. And you pay that for two years and you pay that. And, you know, I'm sitting there. My head is just about ready to explode because I have no idea what they're talking about. And so I'd be like, well, I'm concerned about, oh, no, don't worry about it. We'll take care of all that. You, you, you're going to be good. You're going to be good. And I'd be like, where I sign? <laughs> and I just sign it because I was too embarrassed to admit I don't know what I'm talking about. Or I don't understand what, what's being talked about. But then I got the revelation one day. I am not going to be taken by and be intimidated by people that are selling me stuff and be intimidated with my money. It's my money, right? If it's your money, you don't have to be intimidated. I, I just have to be honest. I'm going to tell you, I'm dumb about it. You got you to gotta, you gotta get me some flashcards. You got to get me the letterman, conjunction, junction. Where's your function? Something. <laughs> I don't get it, you know. Call, get some cartoons or call Sesame Street. But you're not getting my money unless I understand it. Teach me something, right? And so we, we have to learn. We have to, we have to understand that there's the difference between now and later. N- number three, the difference between a matriarchal and patriarchal family system. You know, the truth is, the scripture tells us that God is going to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the children to the fathers. And, and if he doesn't, then the earth will be smite with a curse. And uh, let me just say this. There's an intrinsic value. There's a value in a father being in the home. That much generational poverty is connected to, to fathers not being in the home. And, you know, that's not just made up. That's, that's, that's fact, y'all. That is a fact. And, um, you know, without having a father in the home, generational poverty goes up even higher. And uh, some people say, well, those men were dogs. Well, you chose them, <laughs> you know. Start thinking about what kind of men you're choosing to be in your life or a part of your life. Are they stable? Are they, would they be a good father? Are they honest? You know, not just because they have a cool car and a tight butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Y'all laugh, but that's, that's how some folks think. He's got, a, he's got a nice convertible and a tight butt. Well, let me tell you something. When that convertible breaks down, that tight butt's going to break down one day too. <laughs> no theology tonight. Just talking. <laughs> Glad you didn't bring a friend tonight, right? But the statistics tell us the fathers are important in the home. 
And when their father's not in the home, it's the children that pay a price. There's the children that pay a price. But God can change that, a poverty man mentality. And so I'm going to go through these really quick, the last couple. Uh, entertainment versus uh, Entertainment versus education. Did you know that 90%, uh, 90, 90% of millionaires, um, 90% of millionaires have a library in their home. Over 90% of, of, of millionaires have a library in their home. Entertainment versus education. You know, there's a different mentality to someone who is prosperous. In the value of education and learning, you know. And um, I don't mean embarrassing, but like there'd be times I'd go and see Rick and, and I'd come in and Rick would be on the internet. I'd say, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm learning my, I'm reading things about my industry. I'm reading things about, you know, uh, things that affect my company. Reading articles and researching and studying trends and things like that. And so education Helps you become prosperous because you value that over just the entertainment of what, you know, an entertainment value of something. Quality versus quantity. A whole lot of something not worth nothing, but you got it cheap. (laughs) The quality versus quantity deal. Now, I have southern roots, right? Now, my family... (laughs) My family, you would say, they, they like things like going out to eat in an all-you-can-eat buffet. That's how they are. It's, it's, it's quantity versus quality. Because all you get at those all-you-can-eat buffets is the food that the good restaurants didn't want. Right? And I've even had my family members walk in. We walk into one of these places. I, for years, we would go visit my family in Tennessee, and they always wanted to go to this all-you-can-eat restaurant called Roth's. I mean, they, it, was their, it was the family celebration. I mean, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, everybody's going to Roth's. It's all-you-can-eat, all kinds of food, all kinds of food. And my, my cousin, he'd say, well, they're going to lose money on me today. <laughs> I can just tell you, they're going to lose money on me today. And so they look at quality as a $3.99 all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> right? Come on, y'all, help me. Because there is a poverty mentality that does not recognize the quality of something. Right? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Right? I mean, there's that mentality. Fate versus, number six, fate versus choice. Poverty, mentality, they believe in fate. Prosperous people believe in choice. You don't see business people lined up buying lotto tickets on Friday after they get their check cashed, right? I mean, you, you, just, don't, you just don't see it. It's... Fate versus choice. They choose what to do with their money. They choose what to do in their life. I've seen, I'll have to be honest with y'all, I've seen people put their faith in these preachers that at midnight, you ever turn one or two o'clock in the morning 
And there's these preachers, they're selling anointing water, ropes, soap, you know. And a lot of times, it's poor people trying to buy spiritual magic, you know. How many know that doesn't exist? How many know we live under the blessing of God? We live under the blessing of God. When we give, we don't just give, we sow. We sow into something that has life into it. And so, and finally, the difference between a prosperous mentality and a poverty mentality is a difference of consumption and production. People who have a poverty mentality only consume and never produce anything. I believe God wants us to be producers. And the number eight, fighting versus fixing. <laughs> fighting versus fixing. Poverty people, mindset people, don't have conflict resolution. It's not in their poverty mentality. Everything's a fight. Everything's a fight. Let me give you an example like this. A prosperous man goes and buys a $100,000 car. He drives it home. It breaks down. What's he do? He calls the dealership. They say, bring it back. He brings it back. He says, you know, fix the car. They said, okay, I'll fix it. And he goes home, right? Now, I, I know this by experience because I've watched my mom do this, my biological mom. But a poverty mentality will go down to the bargain basement <laughs> and try to return a pair of $3.99 shoes that tore up after she wore them that day and want to exchange them. And the manager says there's no exchange on $3.99 shoes. But, but they're about ready to get the police and security called on them because they won't give them their $3.99 back. And, and security is called. You're about to get arrested. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, if y'all don't believe this stuff happens, just turn on Judge Judy every day. <laughs> and Judge Joe Brown. Y'all ever watch Judge Joe Brown? That's the craziest people I've ever seen on TV. Fighting over $50 shirts and, and you know, irregular belts that don't work. And, and, you know, and they want to fight. You're going to go to jail over a $4 pair of shoes. <laughs> you making a scene throwing, you know, I, I've seen when I was a kid, I've I seen... I've seen them go to the dime store and be so upset they would throw stuff off the shelf and cause a scene. You'd almost need a taser to calm them down. But it's the difference between fighting and fixing. You know, prosperous people, God teaches them resolution, how to, how to resolve conflict properly. How to resolve conflict. And I've always admired people that could walk into a situation that was hostile, that was tense, and had the ability to fix and calm people down and bring a resolution to something. You know who was good at that? Ron Greaves was good at that. I've seen Ron many times walk into situations. I've been with him a couple times that were pretty hostile. But just that anointing, that prosperous anointing that was on his life, he could sit and talk, and there'd be a resolution conflict, and not one shoe be thrown, or not one, you know, food wouldn't fly, forks wouldn't fly, people wouldn't be upset. But there's an anointing on that. And so, I want to challenge you tonight. 
There is power in the blessing of God. Living in the fullness of the blessing of God. We have to attack our lack. And I don't know where your lack is tonight, but some of these things spoke to my life. There's some of these disciplines that I hope that you'll grab a hold of too. And maybe some of you are already doing them. Teach the rest of us. I want to know, right? Get me some flashcards. Call Sesame Street. Give me the letter man, right? Y'all remember the letter man on conjunction, junction? Where's your function? <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons, y'all. Come on, where's my 70s and 80s people? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all know how a bill came to Congress, right? Y'all watch. Y'all watch. <laughs> Stay with me tonight if you would. Let's pray tonight. Thank you for your patience tonight. I hope these things are blessing you tonight. I'm learning. I'm just trying to get them in your spirit. Hallelujah. I want to live in the fullness of the blessing of God. Let me just pray over you tonight. and Let's just pray over your lack tonight. You may not have it tonight, but maybe maybe God wants to increase your territory, make you even more prosperous than even what you are. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. I thank you, God, that we live under the blessing of the Lord. Thank you, God, that you're teaching us. God, I don't want to mismanage what you have put in my hands. Lord, teach me to be better. Teach me to be better at it. I don't want to live in a poverty mentality. I don't want to live in a mentality. It's contrary to your word. I thank you, God. I pray against the spirit of lack that is in our lives. And I pray, God, you give us strategies to attack that lack, how we address it and go after it with the word of God, that we're not lacking financially, we're not lacking spiritually, emotionally, physically, God. That, God, that our lack in our bodies or our lack in our health is because of the decisions that we made. God, help us to turn that around. And choose, God. We don't believe in just luck or fate. We believe in faith. And I activate everyone's faith that's in this building tonight. Help us to live at a higher level than we've ever gone before. The fullness of the blessing of God. To live at God's highest level. You have put your blessing upon us, which has given us, empowered us to prosper. Thank you, God. I pray now, God, that you would break every form of lack off of this church, off of your people. God, help us to be generous even more so than we even may be right now. We thank you for the generosity, the power, the blessing of God. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.